Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about a hot topic, and it's been a hot topic for a while, um, but it is the impact of social media today on on students. And, uh, you know, we can talk about all the different social media apps they're using, and we will. We'll get there. But we thought it might be fun to go down memory lane with our own social media journeys. So uh, I think you had a, a um, you wanted to talk first about some of your well, social yeah. media experiences. <clears throat> well, this wasn't social media. I remember the first time I got a computer. I was in my late 20s. I think I might have been even 28 or 29. But um, it was all new to me because I had an electric typewriter you know, at the time. Uh-huh. I've, have, I've heard of those. Yes, you've read of them, yes, yeah. <laughs> in your history book. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was 29 and, and trying, to, trying to do email, and the Internet was still really forthcoming, but yeah. we could get online and digitally send a message. But the funniest memories I have early on when the Internet was new, my grandmother, who, um, rest in peace, she's gone now, but she was hilarious in her exchange with technology. Picking it up. That's right, picking up. And she finally just confessed to us all, I just don't understand this inner tube. (laughs) Inner tube. She meant internet, (laughs) but she called it an inner tube. I said, well, maybe that's the problem. It's not an inner tube. I might say that you misunderstand it even more than you think, right? (laughs) That's right. Well, she she did that with a lot of words. Like she'd call a jacuzzi a eureka. It's getting the eureka. So um, it was just constant live entertainment from Grandma. But I'm sure I've done that to my own children, and I will to my grandchildren uh-huh. one day. But Somebody's going to laugh at you. You've got your own stories. You tell, talk about something. Yeah, no, I was there for the early days of the Internet, for sure, born in 88. So um, the earliest experiences, I didn't get Facebook till college. I was one uh-huh. of those. But um, when we were in high school, the social media platform that was so big was MySpace, right? Oh, yeah. And MySpace yeah. was so cool because you could customize your page. And what we all liked to do is we would um, take really edgy music, and we'd make it play automatically when people got to our yeah. web page, you know? So we were yeah. kind of making a statement about yeah. who we are. And, of course, you could change the color of your web page and all those kinds yeah. of things. So I just remember it was very much about self-expression and <clears throat> making an impact. And we spent hours customizing it and making yeah. it look just right and organizing the songs and the playlists and all that. So it was it was probably nonsense when I think about yeah. it at this point, but it's exactly what teenagers do, isn't yeah. it? Do you remember the, the song that you chose? Oh, I had all kinds of songs. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, lots of different ones over the years, yeah. but yeah. You're yeah. on the edge, though. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, but the same things are happening to kids today, right? We're looking for ways mm-hmm. of expressing ourselves, and the uh, different <clears throat> forms of expressing ourselves often cost us. And in fact, we're seeing that today because we're not just talking about social media today, but we're talking about how social media is affecting us. In particular, our subject today is really on morality. How do we think about what's right and wrong? Yeah. Kevin Kelly, the great author, uh, said it best when he said, our smart technology advances so quickly, it outpaces our ability to civilize it. Yeah. That's a great statement. I don't care where you are in terms of your values, ethics, and morals, you would have to say, that is true. So everybody listening remembers hearing not too long ago about the Facebook study that was done by their own team members. Yeah. You know, about the dangers of their applications. They, Facebook owns Instagram, and you remember this, um, they were called on the carpet once the studies got out. Congress called them on the carpet saying that Instagram is like the first teenage cigarette. 
getting them addicted to something that can be yeah. harmful. You yeah. know, and that's that's a stark uh, metaphor. But in many ways, you know, teens that have gotten addicted and now they can't get off like a cigarette. Yep. And um, so publicly, Facebook has denied harm, but privately, executives have acknowledged its damaging effects, particularly to teen girls. Yeah. Um, the comparison thing, the competition thing, um, it's, just, it's just awful. So here's this neutral uh, tool or, or platform. I don't think it's evil in itself, but boy, left to the hands of an undeveloped brain. Yep. And, and boy, yeah, there, can be, there can be real trouble. So screen, let's talk about this for a minute, Andrew. I, I'd love to get your recent thoughts on this. You and I have talked much over the months, not much on our podcast, about how our, our screens in our lives have gone from public to private. Yes. So quick history, and then I want you to volley back. Um, I remember when we first got a television. This was mm-hmm. way back in the early 60s. I know that's dating me right now, but it was black and white. It was fairly small. And the entire family gathered around the television set to watch the screen. Yes. And together watch those dastardly programs like Andy Griffith or I Love Lucy or Dick Van Dyke. But as we move forward, then we began to get our own screens. I mean, not we didn't immediately in our home. In fact, never in my home in K-12. But, you know, we TV's in a bedroom. TV's yep. in a living room. TV's yep. in the den. Yep. So we kind of had our own, but but we still kind of talked about what we were viewing, and it was still fairly public because you could walk into the different rooms. Absolutely. Then we got a computer, mm-hmm. and if you remember at first, it was almost always in the kitchen or the den. Yeah. But pu- pretty public screen, yep. family but, computer. But now it's on demand. Yes. Now you can type in, "This is what I want to watch. This is what I'm going to see." Uh, and then we all got our own computers, and now we have evolved. I'm doing this quickly. But we all have our own smartphone, which is really a computer in our hands. Yes. Mom and dad may have no idea, not only about the Instagram accounts, plural, but the Finsta accounts, yep. the fake Instagram accounts that, that their kids have. So culture is seeping in quicker than it did than when I was a little boy because their access to culture, not all bad, but definitely out there, and mom and dad are probably throwing their arms up going, I have no idea what to do. Absolutely. Not only has it gone from public to private, but it's also gone to personalized, right? So I can customize my world to fit me, but also I'm exposing myself to a wider variation of ideas, uh-huh. right? When your options yes. are between uh, on the family television are between uh, Bewitched and the Andy Griffith show and a couple <laughs> yeah. of those other things, you can call it quote unquote wholesome television, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But the reality is there was a lot more control, right? Yeah. A few people made decisions about what you were going to experience. And those few people were at the major networks, right? Three were, of them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That were deciding what you were going to see today. It's just an onslaught of yeah. content. And oftentimes we're leaving that 10, 11, 12 year old to make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Well, here's a good example. Some recent news, October of 2021, the fall of 2021, uh, Squid Game is yeah. now the number one show streaming. Yeah, uh, It passed up Bridgerton and uh, just crazy. So I'm digging and reading about it. I watched an episode. It's pretty violent. It's, yeah. it's disturbing and it's, it's violent. It's almost like, I don't know, uh, Hunger Games meets... 
it's it's I, I it's hard, even hard to describe, but it's huge with Gen Z. Yes, yeah. So kids are loving it, and in many ways, it's a commentary on the different levels of society. You've got the you got the elite rich, mm-hmm. and then you've got the blue collar worker. Then you've got the immigrant worker. Yep. And the, Gen Z is very high on justice. Yep. Yep. yep and yep. equality, and so the fight or the battle or the contention between all. But listen, mom and dad may go. Oh, what, watch whatever you want, whatever, and not realize, oh my gosh, they're taking in a most disturbing series. Absolutely. And that kind of thing is happening all the time. Squid Game will not be the last show. I think we yeah, all know right. that, right? Um, it, it's it's going to be one thing after the other. But because, like you said, that journey has happened from public to private, we're now, what we're doing is we're putting the decision-making into the hands of the young person with the device. And yeah. that's the big thing that's changed, I think. Yeah. So consider this, listeners. Um what the computer was for the millennial generation, it was mm-hmm. birthed in your you yes, know, young years. Yep. Social media is for Generation Z. So um, we all recognize, oh, my gosh, this is so new. I don't even know if I want to use it that much. Yeah. You know, people my age anyway. But, oh, boy, this is a natural part of the vernacular and the experience of a Gen Z kid. They're often called the touchscreen generation because they don't manipulate a screen with keys on a keypad, it's mm-hmm. touching the screen. Or the mouse, yeah. Yeah, or the mouse, that's right, yeah. So, Andrew, take a minute and walk us through. Um, there's been new iterations of social media platforms over the years. The first one, uh, I didn't realize until I dug, the first social media, true social media platform was way back in 97. Yeah. Before we even had the phone that had apps. It was almost like the internet, um, like, it, it, in fact, I think Kevin Kelly, the futurist you quoted earlier, basically said social media itself was inevitable. Yeah. As soon as you connect uh, people via an internet, they're going to find yeah. a way yeah. to socially connect via that thing. So, yeah, the first one, the first ever social media site that came out in 1997 was 6 yeah. right? And we all yep. understand that concept of six degrees uh-huh. of connection. Yeah. And it was a way of discovering new people, but it progressed mm. from there. So, MySpace that I mentioned earlier yep. launched in 2003, Kick launched in 2000. It's actually still used by some young people today. Facebook was 2005 when it became available to everyone. Twitter was also 2005. Tumblr was 2007. It's still around. WhatsApp started in 2009. Yeah. yeah. This is crazy, but Uh uh, TikTok actually started in 2009. Yeah. Some people argue, I think, about that. Maybe say it was 16. I would say TikTok has definitely found a resurgence in the more recent years. Correct. Yeah. The last Um, But it can trace its origin pretty far back. Pinterest was 2010. Instagram was also 2010. Yeah. Uh, Snapchat was 2011. Vine was 2013. Of course, they've shuttered their doors now. Yeah. Uh, Parlor, uh, you yeah. might have heard some people talk about, was in 2018. And then, of course, Clubhouse, which became really big, especially among um, yeah. leaders and thought leaders yeah. and all those kinds of folks, launched in 2001, uh, 2021, uh, just this year. So basically, we've had an onslaught, and it hasn't stopped yet, and it probably will continue into the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, this is amazing. Um I, I think we're all going to, my, my generation's all going to say, I remember when computers were new, I was X years old. Yep. I think Gen Z is going to look back in 20 or 25 years and go, I remember when social media was new. Yeah. I was, you know, 11 yep. years old. I remember when or, TikTok or came out or Snapchat yeah, came out yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, absolutely. So today, an overwhelming majority of teens, ages, say, 12 to 17, sixth grade all the way through, through senior and high school, are on social media sites. In fact, according to a 2015 Pew Research Center report, 71% of teens use more than one social network site. Okay. So it's multiples. Um, over time, I think, educators, coaches, and parents 
all began to see the effect of those smartphones that they had on our kids. And according to a February 2016 um, Statista.com survey, middle-class and affluent students report these numbers. This is quite crazy. 75% of American teens, ages 13 to 17, use Snapchat. So three out of four. Wow. Yeah. 51% or just over half of American teens, ages 13 to 17, use Facebook. Okay. Although I think that might be dropping because they're going yep. elsewhere. Yep. And Facebook, you know, then just buys them. Correct. You know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 76% of American teens, ages 13 to 17, use Instagram. And now Facebook owns Instagram. Yep. And that's really been the trouble spot. The news lately has been about Facebook, but because they own Instagram. Yeah. What's really interesting is I was uh, reading the same reports that you were, Tim, is the question of why Facebook wants Instagram. And it's a really interesting answer. Uh, as Facebook looks, you know, it's grown so big. Its yeah. membership is in the billions. As Facebook looks at its market share, one of the things they've discovered is they probably have reached pretty close to their cap market share for adults. Because, you know, the world is not producing new adults, right? But the world is producing lots of new children. And so Facebook realized as they were losing their cool yeah. <clears throat> that if they were going to continue to grow into the future, their only answer was to go after kids. And that was the reason they went and bought Instagram for a yeah. billion dollars several years yeah. ago. And uh, it's also one of the reasons why they're, they're um, so conscientious about this debate that they find themselves caught in right now with all the stats coming out, yeah. because they are very concerned about not being able to reach the youngest population. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is crazy. Over 100 million users are on TikTok. Uh, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I need a TikTok. <laughs> are on TikTok in the U.S. alone. 100 million in the yeah. U.S. So we know that social media is is there. It's becoming really big. Perhaps we're handing off from one social media site to the other, but it does feel like we're sort of caught in this loop where we're just becoming more and more and more invested in this world of social media. But I think the conversation we want to have today is mm. how is it influencing us. That's uh, right. What is and, the impact that it's having? Well, and then, and how do we lead um, the next gen, whether we're teachers yeah. or parents or coaches, how do we lead them through this autonomy that they feel with a device in their hand? So spoiler alert, um, parents are pretty unhappy uh, with the situation. <laughs> that will not shock anybody. Nope. Yep. I mean, any caring parent, I don't think is, they're not calling social media evil, but they are saying what's happening on it could be quite, quite evil. So according to a UK poll, the majority of parents believe social media harms their children's moral development, okay. of course. Yep, yep. So there is an undue level of comparison happening on social media, uh, and, and it just undermines value development, ethical development, moral development in kids. So we do have to talk about what do we do, how do we lead on this. Uh, one quick thought, though, Andrew, I'd love to get your comment on this. Um, the observing parents, the ones that were included in the survey, said this about their child's habits and attitudes when they saw them get on social media. The parents said, or 60% 60, 60 of the parents said, they had seen anger or hostility in wow. their child 60. as a result of being on social media. So wow. 6 out of 10. 51% said they had seen arrogance, so their kids got more cocky, you wow. know. 41% uh, said they saw bad judgment and that may be higher in actuality. And then 36% said they had even seen hatred. So wow. their own children, more than, more than three, more than one-third said, I'm seeing hatred. And, of course, most parents would say, this is, this, there's something wrong here. we gotta, we got to lead them through Absolutely. this. Absolutely. 
it's reminding me of a couple of things. One, the um, the study that you quoted at the very beginning from Facebook. One of the findings I remember said that thirty six percent of teenage girls who are already feeling insecure uh-huh. about their own yeah. personal image will feel mm. worse when they get on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it takes me also back to Gene Twenge, who wrote that uh, report back in 2019 that's kind of found that yeah. about two, if you spend about two hours on social media, it starts to have negative effects. So, I mean, no matter what way you look at this, you have to yeah. acknowledge that there are negative consequences of kids spending too much time on social media. There's no doubt about it. So why don't we talk, Andrew? Let's both you and I just call volley back and forth for the benefit of listeners. What would be some steps that we could take? Yeah, uh, that can j- maybe just doable steps for a, a caring adult who who has a student under their nose. Absolutely. One of the things we know as we spend time with parents and leaders of all kinds is that this is a really challenging subject, right? Yeah. The answer cannot be as simple as you know what, just cut them off, right? That's right. Yeah. Because this very much is their social world, right? So the answer cannot be no. So the answer has to be how do we do this? better. And I think that's really where we're talking about with our, our yeah. uh, sort of prescription here. I don't want to go long on this, but you just said a mouthful. We can't just cut them off. Think about this, listeners. When you think about the students or kids that are next to you, if you cut off social media, that might seem like a logistical correct answer, mm-hmm. but you're cutting, cutting off their very community. Yeah, And so you're now, it's more than just a technology fast it's your, think about this. What if you, if someone said, I'm removing your entire community and how you interact with them? Yeah. Now, you wouldn't, go, you wouldn't be very happy. Yeah. So it's more than just a technology fix. It's a fix of, okay, how do we adjust to allow them to experience community, but in a healthy way? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you've got a couple of recommendations yes. here of different ideas we can use to actually start helping them see what they're doing a little bit differently. So um, you want to kick yeah. us off? Let's jump in. So the first step, some of you have done this, I'm sure, but if you haven't, you ought to. Ask to scroll through their posts with them. Mm. Ask them to scroll through the post. In fact, if you get a big reaction to that, you might go, <laughs> okay, that was a good question. Yeah. So um, this could be awkward, but um, actually sit down with them and, and look at the post uploaded both by them and to them, and then discuss what you see together. What's this mean? What, what, why would, why would uh, Anne say that? Or why would um, you know, Joshua say that? Or, uh, just just a good exercise, and hopefully you're reading their body language, and they're either feeling very iffy about this whole activity, or they're going, oh, sure, let's let's do this. You Absolutely. Know? It's sort of like if you're in school and working on a paper, you get somebody else to look at it. Yeah. And it's just even in the act of handing that over to somebody else, uh, it sort of exposes yeah. even some of the thoughts that you just had inside your mind, and now all of a sudden you've got to talk about them out loud. Precisely. Good. So that's number one. Number two. Interpret the tone and content of the posts and what it suggests about their character. Yeah. Now, this is a tough one, but um, this even could feel cheesy, I suppose. But um, ask what someone might conclude if they didn't know your student, but all they saw was their post. Yes. You know, it's that proverbial, what if Martians came down from outer space (laughs) and all they saw was your social media post? What would they conclude about you? That's a great question. It's kind of zany and, and, yeah, cheesy, but I, I really think that's a great, even if they think, oh, mom, or oh, Miss Johnson, that's ridiculous. You've left them with a thought. Yes. What would it look like? For Ultimately, someone? what we're trying to do here is get them to identify if there is a gap between who they want to be yeah. or who they would say that they are, and yeah. then 
the kinds of things that they're posting, right? Uh, that gap happens more often among younger people than it does among anybody else, right? Yeah. They're trying so hard to fit in. They may post something that they don't actually feel like yeah. represents themselves. <clears throat> and what we're really doing is kind of exposing that and going, are you happy with the person yeah. you're presenting yeah. online? That's exactly what we're saying, which leads us to the third uh, step. Discuss with them how employers, coaches, instructors, or mentors might view their sites. Mm. So now you're getting to take the long view, not just the short view is post that. That's hilarious. Yes, you know? exactly. The long view is, ah, uh, I didn't even think about that. You know, so-and-so would see this or my, my boss yep. or my, my principal or yep. whatever. So talk about how the students, maybe even graduates, uh, have lost their chance at a job because the employer viewed their social media posts. We know young people that posted about the party on Friday night, yep. forgetting they had the job interview on Monday and, and they didn't get the job before they even had a chance. Absolutely. And sometimes the gap is not that close. Sometimes yeah. it's, I posted about something in, when I was 15, 16 years old, and I'm still paying That's right. for it when I'm 22, 23. So yeah. it, it really is. And, and here's the acknowledgement. It's it's an unfair situation, right? Yeah. To be judged forever by the things you post. But I, I think the the fair assumption that we can ask our teenagers to make is, Imagine that whatever you post is going to be out there attached yes. to your name yes. forever because yes. that's the most, I mean, that's a very reasonable thing yes. to believe. It is, especially today. Yep. Number four, ask them if they have ever noticed an attitude change in themselves after reading or posting on social media. Mm. Sometimes you can see pretty quickly an attitude change of arrogance or, or uh, jealousy or depression yes. because of what they posted or seen. So this requires transparency, but discuss how you or they can experience a negative attitude or impulsive reaction online. Absolutely. And get vulnerable yourself. Yep. Mom or dad or teacher say, hey, listen, I've been vulnerable to the same thing in my 40s or 50s or whatever. Absolutely. It's, it's huge. I totally agree. And in fact, this is actually a life skill, right? Identifying yeah. emotions. Yes. So many of us get all the way into our 30s and 40s. And I've met adults who have no idea that they're angry when they're angry, right? Yeah. Or that they're depressed when they're depressed or whatever that situation is. So being able to recognize how do I feel in this current moment is a really important yeah. skill they're going to take with them for life. Why not learn it right now via social media? Yes, absolutely. So the final one, number five. Suggest they follow the rule, I will only post what I want my reputation to be 10 years from now. That's brilliant. Andrew, I didn't have this problem. We didn't have anything that would just linger with us. Maybe resumes, but they were paper and, you know. Yeah. But you know this is very true. So um, I think this is just a great suggestion. In fact, if you just did one step, I'd do this step. Absolutely. I will only post what I want my reputation to be 10 years from now. Give them, give them the long view. Um, former general of the Army, Omar Bradley, uh, World War II, wisely said, if we continue to develop our technology without wisdom or prudence, our servant may prove to be our executioner. Mm. That's, that's gigantic. That is. And he's, he, that was foresight because that was back in the 40s. Uh, so just as wisely, Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, suggests technology is just a tool. In terms of getting the kids working together and motivating them, the teacher is still the most important. Let's let's play that role. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, to close out our time today, one of the things that you and I um, talked about was different perspectives and actions that people have taken on social media, right? We talked about that mom or dad who says, you know what, no social media yeah, for you, yeah. right? Uh, and that's one approach. But every approach that we take can have consequences, yes. good ones or bad ones. 
And so uh, you have kind of a, a way to walk through those different things. Yeah. I wonder if you might do that. Yeah. So one principle I'd love all of you to think about if you are a caring leader who leads the next generation. Here it is. Rules without relationships typically lead to rebellion. Mm. It's a phrase that's been around a long time, but I don't think it's got much airplay recently. Rules minus relationship lead to rebellion. Mm. So in other words, yeah, you can lay out the best of rules, but if you're laying out a rule and they don't sense there's any kind of bridge to you of understanding, empathy, compassion, love, belief, I'm telling you, that can actually drive a wedge between the teacher and the student, the parent and the child, the coach and the athlete. Uh, the employer and that young team member. Mm. So um, I want you just to remember this. And, and here, here's the grid that I use, and I'll, I'll close with this. It seems to me like there's three common reactions when it comes to issues like this. The three are isolation, saturation, and interpretation. So here they are. Love it. Isolation is indeed that adult, Andrew, you just described. Ah, I'm so sick and tired of this social media. We're going to just isolate our kid from all cultural influences, including social media. Um, it's the story perhaps of the very, very controlling homeschool parent. And I'm not cutting down homeschool, but, you know, we all know adults that just got so rigid. Yeah. It was an isolation. Well, that doesn't really work because your child's going to go out into the world one day and hopefully be a marvelous light to that world and a positive influence. So isolation is not good, but this, we know them. We know that they're legalistic, they're, they're rule-oriented, not relationship-oriented. So that's not a good one. The second one is saturation, and that's the other extreme. Mm -hmm. That's a parent that throws their hands in the air and goes, well, whatever, we can't seem to stop it. The train's left the station. We've met those parents, too. Yes, we yeah. have, yeah. So it, it is their saturation time on Instagram or, or, or Snapchat or TikTok. So it's, yeah, we've given up. We've all but seconded our leadership when we do saturation. We're yeah. just saturated with culture, and now we have no compass on the inside to make a good judgment. That's why I recommend number three. Isolation doesn't work. Saturation doesn't work. Interpretation seems to be the best option, but it requires us to be a guide. Mm. Interpretation means you're sitting down and walking through these steps with that student, that yeah. young person. You're saying, what do you think this says? What do you think, what does that post mean that she sent to you? Yeah. What does your post mean? Yeah. But you're helping them to interpret and find balance and lead themselves through this journey. That's the, I think that's the goal of life. Interpret what's happening. Yeah. Make sense of it. Yeah. Don't just swallow it all and yeah. don't just reject it all. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's really our answer. Oh, that's so good. Ask conversations, build relationships with mentors and learn and grow. That posture, we're all going to make mistakes, right? But that posture of interpretation of not just taking things at face value or just throwing them away at face value, yeah. but instead asking really good questions is so good. That's the hat we should all be wearing. Tim, thank you so much for your wisdom today. I know this is a challenge that so many of us are facing. And a lot of times we, we approach challenges like social media and we approach them kind of at the end of the journey and go, well, how can we fix the problems that we cause? Mm -hmm. one, one of the things that we're realizing, in fact, the data really supports this, is that those kids who thrive are the ones who's, uh, who the adults in their lives have actually take, taken action mm -hmm. steps earlier yeah. and, and, and taken specific action to build life skills in them. And so uh, one really great suggestion, I think, on this subject is act now to start building life skills. We have a way that we do that here at Growing Leaders. Uh, it's a tool that we're quite fond of called Habitudes. They're simply 
images that form leadership habits and attitudes. And basically all we do is we take a picture, a story, and a metaphor in order to explain a really important life skill or concept, like identifying emotions. That was one that we talked about today. If you're interested in finding out more about Habitudes, maybe how it could be used in your home, in your classroom, with your sports team, or in any other context, head on over to growingleaders.com. In fact, if you go to growingleaders.com slash SEL, you can find out about our social and emotional learning Habitudes program. We've got uh, images for middle schools and high schools, so we'd love for you to check that out. Once again, that's growingleaders.com slash SEL. Uh, As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. You can also quite literally get the word out by passing this podcast along to a friend who you think may enjoy it. Uh, If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, shoot us an email. It's uh, podcast at growingleaders.com. Whether you got an idea of stuff you want us to talk about, somebody you want us to interview, or whatever it is, we love getting those. Again, it's uh, podcast at growingleaders.com. Tim, again, thank you so much for your wisdom and for leading us. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.